Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And we are, in a, we are at the end of a series that we are calling Shadow Boxing. Shadow Boxing. And it's, again, it's based on 1 Corinthians 9, 26 that says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just, this is Apostle Paul, he says, I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, I'm not just aimlessly beating the air. I'm doing whatever it takes to get the victory in my life. Turn to someone and say, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to get the victory. Don't settle for what the enemy has for you, especially over the things seen or unseen like addictions, drugs, um, alcohol, porn, and anything along those lines, the trauma of a painful past. We've talked about all these things, depression, discouragement, sickness, or disease. We talked about all these things. If you've missed any of them, you can go back. We have a YouTube channel. We, we, we have a Facebook channel. Go back, listen to them, like, and share. Now, all of these things is what the devil uses to try to take us out of the game. Jesus said it. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the thief is Satan. He said, but I've come that you might have, uh, in the New Living, it says, his purpose, he, he said, uh, but his purpose was to give us a rich and satisfying life. He wants us to have a good life. God wants us to have a good and meaningful life. Amen? And so I'm always going to go with option two. I'm going to go with Jesus' plan as best as I can. Amen? Which brings us to today's subject, appropriate because this is one that, uh, uh, that everyone is basically in our country celebrating worldwide, Halloween. And, and Halloween is big on fear. And so we're going to be tackling uh, what, if, what, do you, what to do if you are shadow boxing with fear and anxiety. With fear, does, it, does it affect people in the church? I promise you it does. Okay? Because just like I said, everybody's afraid of something. Everyone has some kind of concern, and, and, and fear defined is an unpleasant feeling of anxiety or apprehension caused by the presence or anticipation of danger, listen, listen, that may be real or perceived, may be real or perceived. Now, like the video said, everyone seems to be afraid of something. According to the American Psychological Association, the year 2020 was labeled the most stressful year on record ever, and, and rampant anxiety had become a national mental health emergency. Well, we know what happened in 2020, right? We had a, another worldwide pandemic, and it scared a lot of people. Now, some of the traditional old fears that everyone pretty much deals with, fear, raise your hand if you, if you have this fear, thunder. Nobody in here with thunder? My dog is afraid of thunder. Oh, my goodness. She's constantly running upstairs as soon as the thing. How about dogs? Fear of dogs? Raise your hand. Anybody have issues with dogs? Okay, I'll put my hand up. Okay. Flying. My wife, my wife has that issue. She says, but it's not the flying. It's the falling out of the sky that <laughs> she's concerned with. Mice. Needles. Needles. Come on, Mike. Put your hand up. Come on. <laughs> It's not the needles. It's the sight of blood. Spiders. Insects. Uh, 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 enclosed spaces. Yeah, we got, we got a couple of hands there. Heights. 
Public speaking. <laughs> you have no idea. And then the number one is, is, is snakes. I don't like spiders or snakes. I don't like spiders or snakes. Well, listen to me. In 2021, that gave way to new fears. And the new fears in our country, I'm going to do the top 10 counting backwards with number 10. Widespread civil unrest. Just turn on the news. People are being pushed in the camps and all sorts of nonsense is happening. Number nine is high medical bills. Afraid that the one major illness is going to wipe you out. Eight are hate crimes. Since they did that, since they overturned Roe versus Wade, the, the Catholic uh, and pro-life centers have been burnt, uh, have been uh, attacked and burned down in some cases by left-wing abortionists. Number seven is becoming terminally ill. Six is government corruption. Five is terrorism. Now keep that up there just for a moment. How many guys did it take to do that damage uh, on September 11th? How many? 13. 13 guys. Now keep that in mind. When Now we've had nearly 5 million illegal immigrants who have entered our country in the last two years. Nearly 200,000 crossed the border in July of this year, in 2022. 67% single adults, along with them coming illegally, they have seized 2,071 pounds of fentanyl which is equivalent to 469 million lethal doses. That's enough for everybody in this country to die. That's what's coming into this country. Number four is having enough money for retirement. I found a clip that says 45% of pensioners believe they will run out of money during retirement. And I thought to myself, wow, pensioners, my generation and younger, we don't have pensions. What do we have? 401ks and IRAs and all this other stuff. And have you seen what's happening in the market? Taking a beating. And unfortunately for our generation, it's what you kill, you eat. In other words, what you save is what you get to live on. And the stock market is, is not doing that great. Third is mass shootings people are afraid of. That guy just got off. Oh my goodness, that's unbelievable. Number two is... Loved ones becoming seriously ill. And number one is loved ones dying. Now, I personally think at the root of all, most of these fears, old and new, is basically the fear of injury and, and or death. Unfortunately, the good news for the believer, and the believers in the house, come on somebody, is that Jesus tackled that fear head, head on when he conquered death in the grave for all time with his resurrection and the promised eternal life to all that put their faith in him. Because he lives, he says, and he was the first fruit to, to, to rise. He says, everyone who puts their trust in him will also uh, rise with him one day. Now, knowing that kind of helps alleviate our fears and the, because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And how many know that you're perfectly loved by the Father? Amen. Amen? Everyone, every single one of us are perfectly loved by the Father and have the ability not to have fear or anxiety rule our lives. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that, that we're facing some, some really tough times. And as bad as things are appear today, you know our country's been through very difficult times in the past. 
Um, during the Great Depression between 1929 and 1939, a lot of things happened. The stock market completely crashed. There were people actually jumping out of buildings because their, their, their savings were wiped out overnight. There was mass unemployment, bread lines everywhere. And coming out of that, that depression, we headed right into World War II. And so, and so literally in the face of one of the darkest moments in our history, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was one of our presidents, he, he led the nation to stay faithful fair in the face, and he courageously moved forward. You remember what he said? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, today, we're talking about what to do if you find yourself shadowboxing with fear. And before you jump into to the biblical solutions as to what we need to do, I want us all to identify what our personal fear is. It's on your outline. It should be somewhere, but Maybe it's not, but I want you to write it down. What if blank happens in my life? What if I lose my money? What if I get an illness? What if I get attacked by a dog? I don't know. Whatever your fear is, I want you to write that down, okay? And I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this message this morning and figure out how to get to a point where we master our fears instead of our fears mastering us. Everyone wrote down what their fear is, or at least have it in their mind, the anxiety? Our text this morning comes out of Joshua 1, and this is what it says. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now, I want you to kind of understand the picture. Moses was considered at the time the greatest leader who ever lived. I mean, he was, he was a, a legend, if you will. The man, when he went to confront Pharaoh, had a staff that when he threw the staff down, turned into what? Turned into a snake and did what? Ate up all their snakes, right? The, 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 he, he, when it came time to deliver the people and they found themselves up against the, the, the Red Sea and the, the Egyptian army behind them, what did he do with that staff? He lifted that staff. What happened? The Red Sea parts, right? And the people passed through unharmed. And when he puts the thing down, the enemies, his enemies get swallowed up in that same Red Sea. When they find themselves in the desert and they find themselves thirsty, he strikes a rock and the water comes out enough to satisfy every single one of them. He leads one to two million Jews into the wilderness and through whom God provides manna from heaven or bread cakes from heaven. And when they got tired of the manna from heaven, he says, okay, God, can we get something else? They want something else. And what happened? God sends quail into the camp, and they, and they eat a bunch of meat that day. So, so, so here, here comes Mo Moses. Moses has finally died, and the Bible says now Joshua, his aide, is going to take over. And so he has these big shoes to fill. Joshua, I want you to lead these same Jews across the river again, back into the land, filled with your enemies. And by the way, you're going to go up against the biggest, baddest group of people in Jericho. That's going to be your first assignment. Now, could you imagine that he had some concerns? Could you imagine that? Wait, Lord, do I get a fancy staff? 
or cool coat? Can I get a can I get a, a a cloud by day or a pillar by night? Remember, remember Moses wanted a cloud by day. God led Moses with a cloud by day, and that night he threw up a, a, a fiery pillar so that he could see. What do I get? Joshua chapter one, verse three. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody ever hear that verse before? Who, who said that? To, to, who said that? Jesus said that. Amen. Who did he say it to? He said it to us. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you a third time? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, listen to me. Someone went ahead and did the math and, and found out that the Bible uses that phrase, fear not or do not be afraid, some 365 times. Why do you think that is? Come on, somebody. One for every day of the year. Now, why does God do that? Why does he set a reminder for us for one for every day of the year? Because he knows that fear is an issue for many of us. Because fear can absolutely paralyze our forward progress that God is wanting to do in our life. In fact, they say some 80% or higher of the things we fear never happen, never take place. Yet, people still live in, it, in its grips. And it keeps them from walking into the promised land that he has for you. Does God have promises for you? Turn to someone and say, yes, he does. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And you are not the exception. Some of us think that God's got plans for someone else, but I don't know if he has one. He has plans for you too. And the plans he has are good plans. Amen? So this message is designed to help us, listen to me, help us shake off Whatever the enemy's trying to do in our lives when he tries to attack us, like the Apostle Paul. You remember that story when, when Paul got shipwrecked uh, on the Isle of Malta? And the Bible says that, uh, uh, well, let's just read it. Acts chapter 20, 28, verse 1. It says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Now, he just got shipwrecked along with other people. He was being carried to, he was going as a prisoner. And, and they all got shipwrecked, and they had to swim ashore, and they ended up on this isle called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat 
fastened itself to his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. In other words, they were pagan worshippers. They believed in all that stuff, and they saw this thing attached. He may have made it out of the sea, but justice, justice has captured him. He's going to die. But Paul, what did he do? He took the snake, and he shook it off into the fire, and he suffered no ill effects. And so the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and they decided he must be a god because everybody else who got bit by that snake died. And Paul shook it off. Now turn to your neighbor and say something with me. Say, shake it off. Shake it off. That's your first feeling. Shake it off. Because the devil is like a serpent who wants to latch on to us and inject his poison of fear and anxiety in our lives, fear of trying, fear of failing, fear of the future, fear of dying. And I want you to know that God wants you to turn around and shake it off. Shake that thing off of your life. The Bible says, no weapon forced against you shall prosper. None whatsoever. And in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Sound mind means you ain't crazy. Fear makes you feel like you're going crazy. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. Somebody's nudging the first and next. Baby, you act crazy when when you're... Fear makes you feel... Fear brings torment, the Bible says. But again, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear and you're perfectly loved by the Father. It also says, in one translation, but he's given us uh, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Turn to someone and say, you can do it. You can do it. With God's help. With God's help. So immediately we know that the spirit of fear, because he says, I'm not giving it to you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear does not come from God. It comes from a different source. And so we are encouraged then to shake it off, to not allow it to envelop us and to cripple us and to keep us from what God is asking us to do. Uh, but if you're going to be successful or successfully deal with anxiety-producing situations in your life, you have to take your clue from the word of God. And understand, this is a feeling, understand that obedience always precedes God's blessing. Obedience always precedes God's blessing. Now let me read verse 6 again, just as a reminder. He says in Joshua 1 verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. This was Joshua's assignment. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Then he tells them what to do. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Anybody interested in being prosperous and successful? Now, that was weak. Anybody interested in being prosperous and successful? Amen. Amen. 
Listen, you, if you're prosperous and successful, you, don't, you not only have enough to, to keep yourself going, you can bless other people, amen? You become, the, you become the lender and not the borrower. You become the head and not the tail. Bless going in and coming out. And so God has given us a formula for his blessing. God blesses obedience. Obedience to what? To his word. To him. To his plans. Now, how do we know this? Joshua chapter 5, verse 12. It says, now, the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now, understand what's happening. God was leading them in the wilderness 40 years. Moses finally died. He gave them. He told them, Moses, you will see the promised land, but you're not going to walk in it because he did something that was not right. And so... Now Joshua, Moses dies, and Joshua stands up, and the moment it was time to go, the, the, the supernatural provision that God was providing in the desert ended. Now, and, and they said, now the very next meal you're going to have, you're going to have to step into your promises. It's in, the, it's in the promised land. Listen to me this morning. Side note, different from the message, but where God guides, he provides. Come on, somebody. And where there's no provision, it's time to move. Some of you are getting stuck in places where you shouldn't be. God, why aren't you providing? Why aren't you doing this? It may be time to move. Amen? It may be time to sell. It may be time to move forward. But where God guides, he provides. It goes on the same verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up. And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Listen to the answer. Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked them, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And then God gave him a plan as to what to do to take down the city of Jericho. Now, someone needs to hear me this morning. Because we think the secret to tackling difficulties in our lives is to get God on our side. Listen to me. And our prayers usually go like that. Lord, Bless my plans. If you have a job opportunity or career choice in front of you, Lord, make it happen. Open this door. Lord, give me this opportunity. Or, or God, take care of that person who's giving me a hard time at my job. And I don't mean in a good way. You want God to bless them with a brick or bless them with, out of your life. Because you are convinced that God is on your side. Now listen to me, friends. The question is not, is God on our side? The question is, are we on God's side? Did you hear me? Are we on God's side? Are we on his agenda, on his plan? For I know the plans I have for you, for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Joshua 
asks, are you for us? When he sees this man with his sword drawn, he doesn't know who he is. He's a, he sees a combatant. And he walks up, he says, are you for us? Or are you for our enemies? And the captain of the Lord of hosts identified himself. He's an he's a angel of the Lord or he, he's some kind of commander in the Lord's army. Some people think he's a pre-carnate Jesus. But he identifies himself. He says, neither. I'm neither for you or for your enemies. In other words, Joshua, you can try to do things your way, and there are millions of possibilities, but I have a plan, and this is what I want you to do. And can you imagine when he, when he, when he came back with that plan? And now the people, Moses is dead, and Joshua comes back, and he has this encounter with the Lord of hosts, and the people, his leaders are saying, okay, Joshua, you're in charge now, you're the leader. What's the strategic military plan for us to take down that city? Mind you, that was a walled city, six feet thick and up to 26 feet high. It sat atop a 46-foot embankment. How much is that? 26 and 46, 72 feet. That's something, something like six or seven stories high. The walls around the city. The city was considered impregnable, and now Joshua has the floor. Joshua, what's the plan? Uh, um, well, well, the... I met with this guy with the drawn sword, and he told us that we need to, what, get our, get our army out there first and start throwing things at it? What, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to get everybody around. We're supposed to walk around the city quietly seven times and not say anything, and then call out the band to make a shout, and then we're going to do something. What? That, that's your plan? No, that, that's not my plan. That was God's plan. Read the story when you get a chance. And the seventh time around, they were supposed to shout. And when they shouted, the Bible says those uh, 70 foot feet, uh, seven story walls came crashing down. Come on, somebody. Now, why did God do that? Well, God did that so that he would demonstrate that there was no one else going to take credit for the victory that was going to take place that day. And the word was going to get out to not just the people in his camp, but the people outside the camp, because God was bringing them into a, a hostile territory where there were giants in the land, there were hostile people in the land. And when the word got out that, oh my goodness, the, all they did was lead the band around the place seven times, blow a trumpet, and the walls came down and gave them the victory, that God was with them. That was the message. Someone said, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. We have a better plan than God. And instead of asking him, we tell him what the plan is because we think surely he's on our side. But is he? Is he on your side? First Samuel tells a story in Israeli history. The Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. And 4,000 of them died in one battle. So they were trying to figure out what, what, what happened, right? why, why God had let them fail. And so they, they determined, you know what we need? What we need is we just need to bring the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was, was what represented the, 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 the presence of God in their lives. And when they, and oftentimes they would go out with this ark and they would, and they would get victory because the presence of God traveled with this ark if they did things the way God wanted them to do it. 
So in 1 Samuel chapter 4, they bring out the Ark of the Covenant. They're going after the Philistines. They just lost the battle. 4,000 people have died. And so now they figured, you know, we got the Ark now, which only represents the presence of the Lord. And this is what happened. Here in the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all the shouting in the Hebrew camp? And when they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. They said, a God has come into the camp. Oh, no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. We will, we, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. And the slaughter was very great. Listen, Israel lost 32,000 foot soldiers and the ark of God was captured. And, the, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Eli was the high priest. His two sons were the ones responsible for carrying the ark. They had come up with this plan. We lost 4,000. But if we bring the ark into battle with us, surely we're going to win the Philistines had heard of, of the ark, and instead of you know, just making them afraid, they decided to fight harder, and in fighting harder, they wiped out 30-something thousand Israelites. The ark was captured. Now the ark is in the hands of the Philistines, and, and Eli's two sons died that same day. Wait, what happened? That was supposed to be the silver bullet. This was, this was supposed to work. Instead, we all got slaughtered and the ark got captured and worse. That incident, listen, was followed by the next 30 years of silence where God said nothing to them. What was the problem? I'm going to tell you what the problem was. They followed their own preconceived formulas to try to get God to bless them. But he wouldn't do it. Why? It wasn't his plan. They'd come up with, up with it on their own. Listen to me this morning. We do the same thing. And when we do the same thing, God is just as silent. But God, what about my finances? Well, wait a second. You, you've never given me your finances. What about my job? I've never been involved with your job or career choices. Remember, you've never asked me. This is the plan you've taken for your life. I told someone just the other week, they said, Pastor Rick, I've got a, I've got a choice to make it's in terms of career. I don't know what to do. I said, I'll tell you what to do. Give God a blank slate. What does that mean? Well, I'm educated in this area, and this is the career that I've chosen. That may be a career that you chose. Give him a blank slate. This is what a blank slate is. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You fill in the blanks. Because where God guides, he provides. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Where he guides, he provides. And rather than telling him what you're going to do, I told him I was going to be a nurse anesthetist. He laughed. 
He said, okay, you could do that, or you can do what I've called you to do. Well, what's that? Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me as long as you tell me. And then he started to tell me. God's got a plan. Amen? And so we tell him, we, we tell him when it comes to our jobs or when it comes to our finances rather than asking him. Lord, what about my relationship? It's going bad. You mean the one that, that you're finally now calling on me to fix after everything has gone bad when I could have told you in advance this wasn't the person for you? Wow, it's getting quiet in here. Listen, thank God he's merciful and he doesn't give us what we deserve lots of times, but neither is he obligated to bless our messes. Did you hear me? He's not under any obligation to bless our messes, especially when he's not a priority, but more of an afterthought in our lives. Things are now a mess. You've screwed everything up. Lord, I want you to, to, to fix it. And he's not part of the decision-making process. Now, sometimes by his grace, he'll fix it. And sometimes you're going to go through the bed you made. Getting quiet in here. In other words, write this down. If you want him to bless you, do things his way. Ta-da! Revelation. Do things his way as it relates to your relationships. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled, not fringe with benefits. Getting quiet. Getting quiet out there. It says don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Pastor Rick is not working out. I want to go to church and he doesn't. Was he going to church before? No. Now you have kids. Now you're in a divided house. It would have been nice if you listened to him at the beginning. I'm not the only one that said it. Jesus said it. He said it this way, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who, help me out somebody, is it up there? Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I, I don't even know who you are. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, what is the rains and the streams rising and the winds blowing, beating against the house represent? It, re it represents life. It represents all the things that causes us anxiety. It represents the things that hit us unexpectedly. 
And the only difference between the wise builder and the foolish builder was the wise builder listened to what Jesus had to say, built his house on the rock, and when these things happen, not if, when these things happen, their house remained intact. Do you want to be successful in this life? Jesus says, take my words and do what I say. But if you're going to take his words and do and let it go in one end, out the other, and then freak out when the winds come, and because you're, you've built the foundation basically on, on whatever else you're doing, and it's not working, Lord, why, why isn't it working? Why are you allowing this? I'm not allowing this. You're doing You did it. Because I told you in advance what to do. Because the heart of the Father is for us to be successful. He takes no pleasure in our lives falling apart and we become totally engrossed with anxiety and fear because of all that stuff's going on in our lives. Does that make sense? So obedience to his word is the key to overcoming the fears and anxieties that life throws at us. And we get three things, and I'm coming to a close. When we are obedient to his word, we get his presence. Write that down. His presence, John 14, 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make his home where? With him. With him. In other words, whatever you go through in this life, you will not go through by yourself. The same word that that, that came to Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the same word that Jesus gives to every single one of us. I will never leave you nor forsake you if you make his word and his will your word and his will. Does that make sense? So you get his presence. And the Bible says, my Bible says, if God is for me, who can be against me? He's called me to stay and walk in faith. Hold on to him like you're holding on to the, holding on to a, to a winning lottery ticket. Come on, somebody. Because he's better than that. That's what Paul meant when he said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends, faith is the key. And that's why the enemy attacks it so often, and that's why Jesus would say to his disciples who were going through difficult times and they would call out to him. Remember when they were on the boat and the storms came and they thought, Lord, help us. And Jesus came and he spoke to the waves and he calmed the seas and he looked at him and he said, oh, ye of little faith. Ye of little faith. I told you we were going to the other side. I don't care what's come up in between that. We are, you are going to make it to the other side. And so how do we increase our faith? How do, we, how do we build our faith? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Folks, you've got to get in God's word. And don't let it go in one end, out the other, but allow it to become part of your life. We get his presence. But with his presence, we also get his provisions. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And so Joshua 
had that situation where he's coming behind Moses, and Moses did all these great things. And I, and I asked that rhetorical question, well, Lord, what do I get? And what did God tell you? What did God tell Joshua you get? He said, Joshua, I'm giving you an entire promised land. And he says, I will, I will be with you every step of the way. Folks, the things that we get is we get God. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We get the person who holds the, the, the purse strings, the creator of all things, the, 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 the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has it all. And never get into the place where you're just seeking his hand and what he can do for you. Seek his face. Because the Father has everything in his hands, and he has the ability to provide for us no matter what we are going through. And so I say that with confidence. What are you afraid of? Listen to this short video. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. And the church said. Amen. So we get his presence, we get his provision. And lastly, as you saw in the video, we get his promise. And this is what Jesus said. I want you to pay real close attention as we come to a close this morning. Jesus said in John 14, verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. That's the promise of eternal life. And then Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, verse 4. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be Afraid, listen, of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, 
fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Think about that. A sparrow, two cents. Not one is forgotten by God. Indeed, listen, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And then he finishes by saying this, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And so the promise of heaven goes out to all of those who would put their trust in Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And if you find yourself shadow boxing with fear, listen to me, you need not. He's looking for committed soldiers who are willing to take a a firm stand in faith against fear and shake it off. Put your faith in Jesus. And if, and if you're here this morning, listen to me, and you're not ashamed to say, I am with Jesus. He says, if you acknowledge me before men, he says, I'll acknowledge you before them. In other words, if people say, uh, do you believe in Jesus? And you say, yes, I'm a believer in Christ. He says, I will acknowledge you before the Father. He said, but if you deny me before men, in other words, if you turn your back and you act like you don't know him, he says, when we stand before the Father, he says, I will, I, will, I will not acknowledge you before the Father as well. And so God has called us to, to, to not be ashamed of Jesus and to be willing to take a public stand. I'm going to, matter of fact, I'm going to challenge you here this morning. Are there those in this room, even if you've made, it, you've made that commitment before today, willing to say, I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. And if you're not ashamed to say, that Jesus is my Savior. Stand up with me this morning. Come on. To God be the glory. Now, how many are standing and acknowledging it for the first time? How many recommitments are we making in this room today? Come on, somebody. Not everybody's not uh, willing to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes to start the process of saying, okay, I am with God, I am with Jesus, and Jesus is with me. Amen? And he says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And so while you're standing, I just want to say a prayer of blessing over you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that there are those in this room that are willing to say, I am for Jesus. You said if we acknowledge you before men, you would acknowledge us before the Father. Father, look in this room. If you're listening online, right where you're standing, I don't have to see it. God sees it. If you want Jesus, if you have Jesus, if you're not ashamed of Jesus in your life, in your living room, stand up. In your bedroom, stand up. And say, Jesus, I want you in my life. And everybody say this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming into my life. Fill me with your spirit, with your power and your love. Today and every day, give me the strength to acknowledge you 
And Lord, I'm offering you today a blank slate. Put your plans, your words, and your purposes in my life. And this fear that you guys wrote down, Jesus has cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So right now, say, Lord, I turn this over to you, whatever this is. This anxiety, this fear of failure, this fear of trying, I, I turn it over to you. And I acknowledge, Lord, that it's not my plans that you bless. It's your plans. And you have a plan for every single one of us. And say this with me, Lord, I want your plan for my life. For my relationships, for my finances, I want your plan for my life. Thank you for dying on the cross three days later, rising from the dead. And because you live, I will live as well. And then end with this. Say, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to fill me. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with your presence, with your power, with your love, with your provisions. And say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, amen and amen. You may be seated just for a moment. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.